0: It's your girl Rose Gold, and you are tuned in for another episode of Heartbreak Hill podcast. Today I have a very, very, very special guest of whom I'm a very big fan, Dr. Debbie Silber. Um, she is the founder of PBT, which is the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and she is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset, and personal development expert. She's also the author of Trust Again and is a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman and from hardened to heal the effortless path to release resistance. Get unstuck and create a life you owe. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, the Dr. Oz show, excuse me, TED Talks twice, and more. She's an award-winning speaker and coach dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals, as well as any other blocks preventing them from the health, work, relationships, confidence, and happiness they want the most. Debbie, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Uh, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to our conversation. Yes, absolutely. So, Debbie, we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. You did a PhD study on betrayal. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you found during that study?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, no one studies betrayal because they like the topic and they're like, oh, I think I want to study betrayal. No, I had two massive, massively painful betrayals. My family thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. A couple of years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband. Got him out of the house. Here I was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I'm like, you know what? I never took my own needs seriously. It was always about everybody else. I'm going back for a PhD and it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation because I was changing so much. I didn't get it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that. So I did a study on betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? I had no idea at the time, but that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries. So if you want me to go into them, I'm happy to.
0: Yeah. What are the three groundbreaking discoveries at that? Yeah.
1: So the first was, was that betrayal is so different than other life crises, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster. I had been through death of a loved one. I'd been through disease and I was like, betrayal feels different. I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Every single one of them said, it's so different. Here's why, because it feels so intentional. We take it so personally. So the whole self is totally shattered and needs to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. So that type of healing needed its own name, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. Because think about it. Let's say you lose someone you love, right? You grieve, you mourn the loss, life will never be the same. But you don't necessarily take it personally, you know? Trust isn't shattered, right? Right sense of rejection. So it was a very different experience. And so there's a new name for it. The healing of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal, you are in this place of post-betrayal transformation. So that was the first one. The second discovery, this was shocking too. And we learned that while we can... um, not even, no, that there's actually this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've had, I don't know, 40, 45,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. A few things about that quiz. The first thing is we've all been taught time heals all wounds, Right. I have the yeah well I have the proof when it comes to betrayal that's not true because there's a question that says is there on the quiz is there anything else you'd like to share and people write things like my betrayal happened 35 years ago and I'm unwilling to trust my betrayal happened 15 years ago feels like it happened yesterday so we know betrayal is a very different experience and um you know every couple of months I pull the stats from the quiz just to see where people land I'm happy to share them if you want Absolutely. Okay. So now this is men, women, just about every country is represented. Just about every age is represented. So out of 40, 45,000 people, these are the numbers. Ready? 78% constantly revisit their experience. Mm. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant, checking somebody's phone, you know, like things like that. It's exhausting. 94% deal with painful triggers. Mm. And those triggers can take you right down. These are the most common physical symptoms. Ready? Okay. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. You can sleep a whole night. You wake up, you're exhausted. Right. Your adrenals have tanked. That's what's going on. 47% have weight changes. So maybe in the beginning, you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. Mm right 45% have digestive issues and that's anything from crohn's ibs uh, diverticulitis constipation diarrhea the guts are wreck. sure the mental symptoms 78% are overwhelmed 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief mm. 68% are unable to focus 64% are in shock 62% can't concentrate so imagine here you are you're you can't concentrate you have a gut issue you're exhausted And you're supposed to raise your kids. You're supposed to work. Right. right. That's not even the emotional ones. Ready? Emotionally, 88% have extreme sadness. 83% are very angry. And you very often go back and forth between those two. Absolutely. And that's exhausting, right? 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. So here's just a few more. Ready? Yeah. This is why I wrote the book Trust Again. This this one stat right here. 84% have an inability to trust. Mm. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how.
0: Mm. Those are very, very breathtaking stats, Debbie. And, and that's why I was so excited to have you on the show because a lot of people are rocking around in these stages of betrayal and they don't know. They don't know what they're going through and they don't know that there is actually a process for escaping this kind of emotion or this kind of uh, this kind of um, turmoil of betrayal. So that kind of leads me into kind of my next question. If a person did want to heal from betrayal, well, first of all, What are some of the, and you kind of already mentioned this, but I just want to kind of get a list, if if you will, just a few. Um, What is post-betrayal syndrome? How do we know if we have it? And then how do we escalate or how do we move or elevate our thinking so that we're at least progressing out of those stages?
1: Yeah. So post-betrayal syndrome is that collection of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms. How do we move through it? That's what the third discovery was. To me, this was the most exciting. And what was discovered was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and you and I both know people, that's exactly where they are, right? Absolutely. If we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that whole healed, rebuilt place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Why is that good? Healing's predictable. If someone is willing, willingness is the biggest word there. If they are willing to move through the stages, they will, they will predictably move from stage, you know, two, three, four, five, eight, and beyond. And I'm happy to share the stages if you want.
0: Yeah, What are those five stages that a person has to move through in order to to experience their holistic self?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I invite everybody to, to hear what I'm saying and check in about what stage they're in because you'll be very clear by what I'm saying. So it is totally mapped out. In trust again. It's what our coaches are all certified in. It's what we teach within the PBT Institute. I'm going to give you like a broken down version right here. So stage one is before it happens. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing, and not really paying much attention to the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being right. That's not to say if you're only thinking and doing, you will be betrayed, but that was the profile I saw. If a table only has two legs, easy for that table to topple over, that's us. Absolutely. Stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. Like when the person takes a mask off and shows you who they've been, right? It's a breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just learned. makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. The rules that govern you, that prevent chaos. Don't go there. This person's safe. This is how life works. And in a moment or series of moments, every rule you've ever had is no longer. The bottom is bottomed out. And the new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So it's terrifying. Right? But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, Get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? How do I feed my kids? Like it's practical. But here's the trap. This is the stage we get stuck in. Mm. And here's what, and you will see it so clearly when I explain this. When once we figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we think it's good. And because we have no idea there's a stage four or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four, but because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we start planting roots here and four things happen. We're not supposed to stay here alone, but we don't know that four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self benefits. We get our story. We get to be right. We get someone to blame. We get a target for our anger. We get sympathy from everybody we tell our story to, you know? We don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Should I trust you? Can I trust you? Ah, forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. So we plant deeper roots, right? We're not supposed to, but we don't know that because we're here longer than we should be. Now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not all that great. Mm. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. And you start convincing yourself of stuff. So you start planting deeper roots. Right, Right? you're not supposed to, but you don't know because you see what I'm saying? Where I'm going because you don't know that, and this is these are the thoughts you're thinking, and this is what you're starting to believe. Like energy attracts like energy. So now you start calling people and circumstances and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is exactly where you belong. And the misery loves company crowd, they come around now too. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here because it feels so bad. But you don't know there's anywhere else to go. You're not happy, but you don't know what to do. So right here, you resign yourself. You're like, this stinks, but I better find a way to just get through this. So right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, numbing in front of the social, whatever it is, right? And think about what happens here. You do it for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit. A year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that numbing in front of the TV you're doing, that emotional eating you're doing, that drinking you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And they would say, happened 20 years ago. Do you see? All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. That Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why from hardened to healed, because I found everybody's getting stuck in stage three. So from hardened to healed is just for stage three because that's where most people stay anyway if we're willing willingness is the biggest word if we're willing to let go of those small self-benefits grief more than the loss bunch of things you need to do you move to stage four stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal so here's where you acknowledge i can't undo this but i control what i do with it and i always use the example of if you've ever moved To a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever. Your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this kind of mental space, what happens is you start turning the stress response down. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you had been causing in stages two and stage three. What's also interesting is, think about it, if you were to move, you don't take everything with you, right? You don't take the things that don't represent the version of you you want to be when you're in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, Mm -hmm. you don't take them with you. Mm -hmm. Right here is where you've outgrown them. People say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and if they don't, it is. And if they don't rise, they don't come. When you're in this kind of mental space, you're making it cozy, you're making it home. You move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing rebirth and a new worldview. The body starts to heal self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. You were surviving. Now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on what you see so clearly now. Wow. And you have a new worldview view right based on the entire road you just traveled and the four legs of the table in the beginning it was all about the physical and the mental by this point we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too those are the five stages
0: absolutely wonderful and now you said an important thing when you were describing the five stages mm-hmm. you used the word willingness which Ooh. i think is a very 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 how does a person come to the point of willingness to be able to be transformed
1: Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's one of those things that people automatically think, well, of course I wouldn't want to stay in this painful space. you know. And you mentioned I did two TEDx talks and I talk about this in the first one, Stop Sabotaging Yourself. And I say something like, and I, I think it was something like, when the pain of where you are becomes greater than the fear of the unknown, that's when you jump. Okay. And what's happening is, They're they're in so much pain, but it's so comfortable and it's so familiar. We don't like getting uncomfortable. We don't like it. Uh, We don't. So we try to avoid it. And we would rather be miserable in the familiar than uncomfortable in the unknown. Absolutely. And I know that sounds crazy, but I see it all the time. When you are finally, when you've had it with your excuses, with staying stuck, with the lack, with the scarcity, with the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms because of something that happened decades ago that that person may not even care or remember they even did, right? They moved on. And here we are owning this and staying with it. When it finally gets to you that you've been compromising your entire life and all of your decisions and everything that you have waiting for you uh, is kept at bay because these are the beliefs you insist on having. When it finally like registers that's when you move.
0: So you have to get to a point within yourself where you are tired of living this way. So either you're going to jump into the fear. So it sounds like there's there's a, a point where there's a fork in the road. You have the fear of the unknown, and then you also have the comfortability of where you are in this sad place, and you get to choose. And that choice is for everyone, you're saying, that
1: has been betrayed. Absolutely, because there are so many, so many reasons why we can stay stuck. Right, and right. for so many people, though, you know, as much as it's a fork in the road, other people are just so, um, and, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but they're blind to it. They don't even know. Absolutely. They don't even know there's anything else. Right. So they don't even know there's a fork, that there's another option. Exactly. They just don't know, you know. So it is, there's some that are saying, I see that, but this is what I know. And there are some who just don't even know. So that's why, I mean, the five stages, you don't have to know. You just have to be willing.
0: You just have to be willing. And Debbie, as we have just a few more minutes here, I do just want to ask you this, this last question. Um, so you had mentioned earlier that kind of your your, uh, your drive behind the PhD study was experiencing uh, betraying your family. And then again, on a closer level with your husband can you tap into that betrayal with your husband on the consonants of when you went through your trans there's a, there's a point where we get betrayed we go through our transformation ideally go through the five stages mm-hmm. how did you know that it was time to include him back into your process or how would a person let me say this how did you know that the other person was willing to rise with you on your yeah. level of transformation because you don't want to reconcile
1: too soon you no, know, you you know don't what it, want to- yeah. And with some people, you you know, it's not even in your best interest to reconcile at all. Right. So we teach something is called uh, the window of willingness, and it's how you know if it's safe in your best interest to heal and rebuild with that person, or heal yourself and move on. And rebuilding is always a choice. Whether you do rebuild yourself and move on, and that's what I did with my family, was not an option to rebuild with them. Um, or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely from the ground up, new with mm-hmm. the person who hurt you, that's what I did with my husband. So as two totally transformed people, not long ago, we married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Now, here's the thing. Never in a bazillion years would I have even considered anything like that if I wasn't completely different, and for sure, if he wasn't completely different. Betrayal um, lends itself to creating an entirely new identity. Mm. You leave behind the parts you that no longer serve. You create a version of you that never would have had the ability to show up had that not happened. Now, betrayal also wakes up the betrayer. It either shows you who that person really is, or it has the potential to wake them up to who they had become. Now, in my case, my husband was actually the one who told my kids. And if anything is going to have you wake up and realize what matters it's learning you just lost everyone that mattered to you Mm. because he lost me, he lost the kids. So he had a, you know, he didn't have to do anything, but in order to get all of us back, he really had to own it and earn it back. Mm. So it's an opportunity as, as much as the work is for the betrayed person to pick up those pieces, it can be for the betrayer as well.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you know
1: that he was sincere about his willingness yeah. Well, you know, you, that's the thing. You don't trust anything or anyone after betrayal. You don't trust your betrayer. You don't trust yourself. Cause I'm like, how do you not know? How do you not see? So that's why a lot of people got very spiritual, you know, very okay. common. Sure. So, so I remember one of the things I did was, um, I actually saw a spiritual counselor and I walk in my first appointment with her. I didn't even sit down. She starts laughing. I'm like, what is she laughing about? She goes, how you two plan this. I'm like, What did you just say? She said, yeah, you needed something. He needed something so catastrophic to crash and burn so he could be the husband, father, friend. He's supposed to be you. You needed to crash and burn so you can heal and come from this deep place of knowing you're going to have an institute and all these books and this big following around betrayal. And I'm thinking you're, she is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you know? (laughs) Let do you know Absolutely. so you know and 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 it's just seeing it's seeing in those everyday things I mean my husband happens to be an extreme personality so okay. really within the first few days he sold his fancy car he got rid of all his fancy clothes he started you know he's like what do I do what what you know give me like spiritual books anything and he took it and ran with it and then i mean he's he's got an office with forty guys in it, and he's sitting them down, giving them, you know, Wayne Dyer DVDs saying, don't mess up your life. I mean, so yeah. he took it to a whole other level. Absolutely. Well, listen, if you want to hear, I'm
0: first of all, just flooring away. I'm thanking you so much, Debbie, for taking the time to stop by and talk to the heartbreakers this morning. If you would like to know more about Debbie and the PBT Institute, go ahead and head over to her site, thepbpinstitute.com. The
1: post-betrayal transformation.
0: Yes. (laughs) Post-betrayal transformation, excuse me. Um, (laughs) And then the pb2institute.com. That's the website,
1: right? It's the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, the PBT institute.com. And and really, it would be great if they took the healed or hardened quiz.com. See where you are, healed or hardened quiz.com.
0: Absolutely. And I'll make sure I put both of those links in the show notes, along with uh, Debbie's social media. So you can go ahead and follow her. She has great stuff on there. Debbie, thank you so much for joining today. You have an excellent rest of your day. And Heartbreakers, do not forget, if you are not already, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heartbreak Hill Podcast. Our mission here is to use multimedia channels to break generational curses in our thought process. Our motto here is breaking hearts, blowing minds, one conversation at a time. Please note that our entire production is brought forth by listeners and viewers just like you. Thank you. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our website at heartbreakhillpodcast.com.